0: This morning, Lord, we hail you as King of kings, the glory of God who has come in. Thank you that you reign supreme in all the earth. Thank you that we can come before you this morning in worship and in adoration. Thank you that you were willing to be born in the most humbling of situations, even though you were God. Even though you were God incarnate. Thank you that we can worship you. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing. To make this awesome plan a reality, even before the foundation of the earth, even before you created us, you orchestrated this amazing plan. We love you. We open our hearts this morning, each and every one of us, and we say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way in our hearts. Come and speak revelation into our hearts. It is our desire to understand you, to understand your ways, to understand your word. Lord, we want, we want to know you, but we don't want to just know you. We want you to know us. So many people say they know God, but so few are known by you. And Lord, it is our yearning heart's desire that we would not just say that we know God, but that we would revel in the fact that you know us. Because we do not want to come To meet you one day face to face and you say, Depart from me, I never knew you. We don't want to do miracles and all these amazing things without you knowing us. And we pray that this would be the beginning of a great journey of intimacy with you. I pray that you would allow your word to come alive in our hearts and that we would understand you, your ways, and the truth of the gospel and the amazing story of the incarnation of Christ in a way that we've never understood it before. Pray your blessing upon this time. I pray that this word that comes forth will fall on swells of hearts that are fertile and ready to produce an amazing harvest. And I pray that nothing will be able to snatch this word from any person's heart this morning in your precious name I pray. Amen and amen. Good morning to all these new beautiful faces that I've never seen before. You know, I'm always amazed. I don't know if you've been amazed like that. You you see someone next to you in the next person, and you think every single person's face here is totally different. And you think, wow, that can only be gone. Hey? I don't know if you've thought that. I've thought numerous times, and I look and I think no one here looks alike. How, how magic is that? Hey? can only be God the creator that can do something so amazing like that. For those of you that are not from here, special warm word of welcome. I trust you'll enjoy it with us. Pray that you'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak deep into your hearts. And um, I'm going I'm to tell a story. The greatest love story ever told. And I hope that you will understand it from a new perspective. A biblical perspective which much of the church does not totally understand. And you'll understand why I say that when I'm done. Are you ready? Once upon a time, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior of the world said in Luke 4 verse 43. But I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. For that is why I came. Got it? You have to get this. It is crucial that you get this point. Jesus did not come to be born in a manger. He did not come to die on the cross. He did not come to be raised from the dead or to ascend to. The main reason that he came to earth was to re-establish his kingdom here on earth. All these other things, including him being born in a manger, is part of the process. But his main reason that he came to earth was to reestablish his kingdom here on earth. Most of the church don't get this truth. He wants to establish his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we pray the Lord's Prayer. We say, as it is in heaven, so may it be done here on earth. Got it? Has everyone got that? I know I'm shocking a lot of you. But it's a truth. Okay, let's rewind. Shh, once upon a time, in the heavens far above, there was a council meeting called God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was present. And they said, Let, is it, let's extend our kingdom, our territory, to a place called earth. Let's establish earth. Let's create earth. And let's colonize earth. And make it part of our kingdom. If you don't believe me, read with me, please. Proverbs 3 verse 19. By wisdom the Lord said, (coughs) the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding he set the heavens in place. And he established the heavens and the earth and then he placed mankind here on earth. We read in Genesis 1 verse 23 it says, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. And they said, come, let's colonize earth. And while they were sitting there in this council meeting, the father said, but there's a problem. I see a spanner coming in and destroying what we are desiring. The, establishing, the establishment of our kingdom on earth. So the Holy Spirit said, no problem. We are the great solvers of all problems. And they all said, Amen. And the Father said, for us to solve this problem, we'll have to send the Son. And the Son said, so be it. Amen. Let's go on with the plan. Let's not deter, that, deter us from this creation process that we want to bring about. The establishment of the kingdom on earth. Because remember, a thousand years is like a day with the Lord. And before the foundation of the earth, hello, He made a way. The tragedy and the problem was that God creates man in His image and in His likeness. Okay? He created man in his image and in his likeness. And he said, and let who rule over the the earth? Who? Them. He did not say let us. He said let them. He said let mankind rule over the earth. Very important point for you to understand. You see, because for you to have authority here on earth, you have to have a body. Without a body, you as a spiritual being here on earth are illegal. <coughs> what was taking place was Lucifer was in heaven and he, want, he was the chief worshiper. He was the head of the department of worship. That's why you have, even in this day and age, a lot of friction when it comes to hello. And he's in heaven and he wants to receive the worship. And God said that cannot be. And he was chucked out of heaven. Isaiah 14 verse 12 says, "How How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You who weaken the nations. Did he weaken the nations? Luke 10 verse 18, he replied, I saw Satan fall like nightling from heaven. That's in Luke 10 verse 18. Satan fell from heaven. And what does he do? He comes to earth as a spiritual being. But for him to operate with any form of authority here on earth, he has to have a body. So he goes to the serpent and says, can I use your body? Genesis three one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat? From any tree in the garden. And he comes and he shows doubt in Eve's heart and mind. And eventually Adam and Eve fall into sin. Sin is rebellion against God. It's not so much the things of don't do this and do this. It's not so much that it's about rebellion against the authority of God. And that is what Satan does even in this day and age. Well, it can't be so bad. Come on. If two people love each other, it can't be so bad to shake up together. That is what Satan does even in this day and age. Well, it can't be so bad for two people of the same sex to, you know, if they love each other well. God says, no. End of story. We cannot begin to negotiate with God. In a kingdom... A king makes makes a decree and the citizens obey. They do not negotiate. And a godly king that makes laws puts it in place to protect the citizens. We have a loving God that makes laws and puts principles in place to protect us because he loves us. Not to harm us. And sadly this world doesn't understand this truth. God was obviously extremely upset with the serpent for allowing Satan to use his body. So what does he do? Genesis 3:14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. So if you do not know it, I believe that's, that the serpent used to walk on legs. If you go and study it, you can even see some snakes, they still have tiny little legs. I believe because God cursed the snake and said, you will crawl on your belly for the rest of your days. And the leg just shriveled up. Go and look, it's incredibly interesting. Another another clear, clear, clear sign that you cannot question the Godhead. Another clear sign that you cannot question. Question the fact that truly Jesus is the Messiah. How amazing is that, that we have that as an extra proof of God's truth. The greatest problem solver begins the whole process of solving this dilemma. Genesis 3 verse 15, right in the beginning of time, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. If you study theology, you will know that this is called the Proto-Evangelium. This was the first scripture that was declaring that one day Jesus would come, and that he would crush Satan. Satan would hurt him, but Satan's fate would be totally finished. He would kill him. He would destroy him. This was the beginning. And please note that was right in the beginning of time that the scripture went out. Please note also that the Muslims and the Jews have the Old Testament. Do you know that? They have no excuse. If they do any form of research, have any form of inquiring heart or mind, they have no choice but to accept the baby in the manger. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. 700 years before the birth of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, we read in Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. How awesome is that? 700 years before the time a prophecy goes out so that we can once again know That this can only be God. Cannot be coincidence. Cannot be happenstance. 700 years before the time. A virgin will be with child. Now this is a crucially important point for us that we have got to also understand. A mother's blood never mixes with its child's blood. Never. For the forgiveness of sin, there had to be a spotless, faultless Lamb, whatever you want to call an animal, had had to be shed. Its blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of sin, right? Right through the Old Testament. Okay? However, you and I are not animals. We are humans. Hence, it had to be a human that was with pure blood. That could forgive our sins for all time. But remember... Before the foundation of the earth, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit were orchestrating a plan that this could happen. But it had to happen at the appropriate time. With God, all things happen at the right time. Man, your God with us. And he says, a virgin will be with child. What ends up happening is, Mary is chosen. Please note that she was not some woman, that, some special woman that is now to become deity like some sects declare. She was just the woman chosen by God. She was just the woman, the vessel, the incubator that was chosen by God. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. In other words, no man had any involvement and could not have. Otherwise, she would have, he would have impure blood. And hence, Mary fed the baby, but never f- affected the blood. That is why the blood of Jesus is pure and can take away the sins of the world. 1 Peter 1 verse 19 to 20 it says, But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before when the creation of the world, before even the world began. In this council meeting they said this is the plan that we're going to bring about. How awesome is that, hey? But it was revealed in the last times for whose sake? For your sake and for my sake. He was revealed at the right time, at the appropriate time. How awesome is that. Micah five verse two. Please note this was written about five hundred and I mean, 450 years bec- before the Messiah was born. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, through Ephratha, through you, are, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose, whose origins are from from of old, from ancient times. How amazing is that? Now, how is this going to happen that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem? How is God going to orchestrate? He now gets Micah to prophesy this. How is he going to bring this about that this takes place? Because Joseph and Mary stay in Nazareth, 120 kilometers away. How are they going to ensure that that baby boy is born in Bethlehem? God is clever. Far cleverer than we think. And he begins to orchestrate his plan. And in those days Caesar, Luke 2 2 verse 1, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. They wanted to know how many people were in each different town, constituencies, and also for taxing purposes. So they say you have to register. And what happened was Joseph and Mary had to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. 120 kilometers in a car is nothing. But on foot, it is quite far. That's other side, Petersburg. That is a long way. Who of you, four days before you're going to give birth, would enjoy to do a 120-kilometer walk or ride on a donkey? Koto Koto and here yeah, you got to... Who of you would enjoy that? Who of you would do it? Who of you would be willing to do that? But they they had no option. And here they go, 120 kilometers. I believe she was on a donkey. And I believe Joseph was walking. Maybe he also had a donkey. Who knows? But they get there. And you think he had no money to go into an inn? Of course he had money. He was a carpenter, he was a skilled man. Joseph was a skilled man. It was not because he did not have money, it was not because he did not have money that they didn't sleep in an inn. It was because there was no room. Luke 2, verse 11 to 10. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ. The Lord. Christ means anointed one. Chosen one. Messiah. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes. Lying in a manger. Why was he born in a manger? Because that is a sign to you and us. That even though he's God. Even though he's the anointed one. Even though he's the Messiah. He's humble and here he comes. And he says I am here to serve you. Because I love you. Wow. God loved you so much that he was willing to come from heaven to earth to give up his foreknowledge. Has it been restored? I believe so. One hundred percent? I believe so. Do you believe that he knows when he's returning? No, let's not get into that. Let's not steer off the track. And here Jesus is born in a manger because it is to be a sign to you and I that this is the Messiah, the anointed one, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And here wise men, or whatever you want to call them, King of Oriental, all these stories that we tell, I don't know how true all of them are, but let's not go down that. Here these wise men come and they offer him gifts, three different gifts. And I believe there's spiritual significance. What about yourself? Do you think they just happen to be gold, moon, and frankincense? Or do you think there's some symbolism is in it? Gold is for who? Is fit for a king. He was the king of kings. Frankincense. What was that for? <laughs> Symbolized deity. That he was God, the priest on high. And then Mo is for what? For burial, for embalming a body, right? That he would die for you and I. And I believe all of this had symbolism. It wasn't by happenstance, but it was because God had orchestrated this and implanted this in the hearts of these men. John three sixteen to 17, the, probably one of the most well-known scriptures on planet Earth. I think verse 16, but not, sorry, it's 2, verse 18. For me, the most important part of this is verse 18, because this is what many people don't want to quote in this day and age. For God so loved, who? The world, you and I, every single person on this planet. That he gave his one and only son. Who of you would give your one and only son? Hey, what love he has for us. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You've got to believe in him to have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Verse 18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of of God's one and only son. I believe. I Ian. Believe that God puts. Consequences. Into the choices that you and I make. Can I repeat that? I believe. That God places. Consequences into the choices you and I make. Hence. I cannot blame God. For the choice I make. If I choose to. To accept Him and believe in Him, there's a cho- There's a consequence that comes with it. If I choose to reject Him, there's a consequence with, that comes with that. Right or wrong? According to the Scripture, there's a consequence. And I've heard so many people say, how can a loving God that says He loves the whole world send someone to hell? And I say, but you don't understand what God's Word says. You send yourself to help by your choice. Because he makes sure that he places the consequence into the choices we make. That is why we read in Deuteronomy thirteen nineteen to 20. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursings. Now choose life that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and He will give you many years in the land He swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He sets before every human being life and death, blessing and curses, And He says, I beseech you, choose life. Choose blessing. Please do not choose death. Please do not choose curse. However, if you choose this, I will give it to you. Why? Because He's a just God. He will never override your will. So do not ever allow or even try to use the excuse, but how can you as a loving God do that? Because He's a just God. And He will always allow justice to prevail. You might not see justice prevailing in this nation, in South Africa, but in the kingdom of God, there is always justice. And He has grace. But if you choose not to receive His grace, you will receive the consequence of your choice. And every human being has got to understand this truth. And so my plea to you as the church, or in this church, I hope and pray that all of you are part of the church of Jesus Christ. Is choose life. Choose blessing. Do not choose death. Do not choose curses. Choose the baby that was born in a manger for the very sole purpose of establishing His kingdom on earth by purchasing you and your life with His blood so that you can come into right relationship with the Father once again. And love Him and serve Him eternally. Do you know that there were literally three hundred over three hundred prophecies fulfilled in Jesus' lifetime? So this world has no excuse anymore. With the with the age of the internet, no man has any excuse if you have Wi-Fi. We are a privileged nation. Many of us, most of us here have Wi Fi or access to it. Even if you don't use it, you have the ability to acquire it. If you don't come here, I'll give you free Wi-Fi access to the church's Wi-Fi. And you can do all the research you want till you're blue in the face. And you will see that God is who He says He is. And Jesus truly is the Messiah. Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 9 verse 6 in closing. For to us, a child is born. Please note this is in the Old Testament. Even in the Quran. So this is for Jews, Muslims, every person on the planet. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There is one question to ask every person on this planet, and that is, do you choose to believe in him? You either choose to believe in Him or choose to reject Him. He came that you may have life and you may have it in abundance. The choice is yours. He cannot do more than what He's done. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding right now for you and for your soul. And He beseeches you, choose life, not death. He cannot do more than what He's done. And I want to encourage you, those of you that are part of God's kingdom and have said, yes, I choose to believe, to make this truth known around the world. We have the truth. It's now a question of do we receive this truth and live by it, or do we reject it? What's your choice this day? What is your choice this day? Come, let's bow our heads. Wow, wow, wow. Father God, we thank you for calling that council meeting. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Son of God, for choosing to create earth. Thank you that you created every single person in this building and every person around this world in your image, in your likeness. And thank you that you created us with a purpose And that was to worship you, to love you, and to know you intimately. Forgive us where we have rebelled against you. Forgive us where we have chosen our own way. I pray that you would give every single one of us a new start in life. We choose to believe in you, Jesus Christ, as the Messiah. That child that was born this day in a manger for each and every person that would live a a pure, spotless life, that would be willing to shed His blood for each and every one of us. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to be ridiculed, mocked, scorned, and endure such hardship for each and every one of us. Thank you that you were such a humble individual. Thank you that you were willing to give up your foreknowledge Something that we are just unable to grasp. That you, God incarnate, came to serve us because you loved us. And Lord, I pray that every single one of us would choose to live for you from this day forth. And that we would show our love for you in the way we live. In obedience to you and to your ways. I pray that you would give us boldness to share this truth around this globe. We understand and know that you will not return until every ear is heard about this truth. And it is our desire to live with you eternally. But until such time, would you use us as your ambassadors, as your citizens of the kingdom of God, here on earth, and would, we be faith, would you find us faithful in establishing your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? As you prayed, Lord Jesus. Thank you for that amazing mandate, that calling that you placed on every one of our lives. I pray that one day when you see us face to face, you will look at us and every one of us. You will be able to say, my good and faithful servant. What a privilege it is to be a servant in your house. Lord, we pray that every single one of us would choose life and not death. That we would choose you, the Savior of this world. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Called Out One. God with us. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you that you are the ultimate problem solver. Thank you that you made a way that we can get into right relationship with you again. And we choose to have right relationship with you. Grow us and mature us. And may your church in South Africa and around this world rise up and be counted for such a time as this. In your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. even though you...